You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Oz Network uh, for more movie talk here. And no, it is not Titanic. We figured we'd give you something maybe 20% of the length of that, something more appropriate for a podcast. Thank you, Ben. Uh, we are here to talk about a new movie, a recent movie, uh, a spoiler-free review, as always. Uh, well, except for the recaps where we give away all spoilers. But uh, we are here to talk about the number one movie in the world right now. Number one movie in the universe. Number one movie maybe of all time as far as horror films go. Uh, we are, of course, here to talk about It. What is it? It is... Freaking Pennywise. It, it is freaking Pennywise, as Jamie says. Uh, one way to describe what It is... Uh, yeah, we're going to, I guess, try to remain spoiler-free here, although I think there's a lot of people who are already familiar with this story. But, yeah. by the way, my name is Colin, and if you haven't recognized, uh, the voice on the line is not Ben uh, going through a midlife change in identity here. It is Jamie returning to us for the first time since... When was the last time you were on one of these episodes? Atomic Blonde, I think. Atomic Blonde, so that was, I guess, a month ago at least, so... Ben and I have already talked about other movies. I did like Planet of the Apes by myself. He did The Big Sick by myself. There were rumors floating around the internet that you divorced me after I dragged you to Atomic Blonde. Um, I was pretty disappointed, but that wasn't your fault. It looked great. Yeah, it did look great. And it looked great, too. Yeah, and it, it was great. It was great, is what Jamie says, so let's jump right into it. Jamie, what did you think of It? It was freaking awesome. <laughs> was it? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I loved It. It was so entertaining, and um, I think that they did the original story justice. The original? Okay, so here's where it gets confusing, because we say the original story, but what everybody knows is the 1990 miniseries, miniseries yeah. which was the adaptation of Stephen King's book that I think came out maybe even a decade earlier than that, but uh, uh, probably less than a decade, but he had written it a decade earlier, so... We're looking now at what most people are considering a remake of a miniseries where it's actually an adaptation of a book. And I kind of hate when all that gets mixed up and people start comparing it to the original saying, well, this is a remake of the miniseries. Like, no, it's an adaptation of the book, just like the miniseries was. Um, but you are right. I mean, it, the, the original was a very popular, I guess still is. And a lot of what we're talking about today is going to be comparing those two um, and maybe less of the book because neither of us have read the book. Why haven't we read the book, Jamie? I don't know. Because it's a thousand pages long. and uh, <laughs> I've read books that are like a thousand or more. I think it pretty much... Wait. I think there was one Harry Potter book I read that was over a thousand pages. So, But seriously though, like this movie is is so creepy. Like, you know, you kept saying after we saw the movie at home, you kept saying, you'll float too. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> stop it. Like, I'm so scared by you just saying that. Yeah. Uh, I should probably explain. We are son who's now 16 months old casper he may hear cry in the background as we just put him to bed um he has this little wooden boat and it's it's like a very flat boat um but it's kind of with a like a wooden train set he has and he's gotten around to picking up this wooden boat and holding it to his ear and talking and he'll be like hello 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 all right so I've just every time he does that I said this is a boat a boat floats and you'll float too Casper and Jamie oh, just hates no. it <laughs> no it's and you know what's so funny is like the the miniseries that you were talking about is actually quite good um, but I never was like creeped out by it or anything but there's just something about this movie where they do the creepiness of it right yeah 
so I guess this movie has an interesting history in that it's been in development for a long time. And I guess we kind of have to go back to even earlier Stephen King movies. Like, I don't know how familiar you are with Stephen King. Uh, have you ever read any of Stephen King's books? Me? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> who else am I talking, Casper? <laughs> who else on this podcast? <laughs> I've only. You sounded so surprised when you said that, too. Me? <laughs> am I the winner? <laughs> No, um, uh, I've only actually ever read one of his books, uh, a Firestarter book, but I've seen a lot of the movies and stuff. Yeah, well, I mean, I grew up with a sister, as we mentioned in our Dark Tower review, um, who was obsessed with Stephen King, was like her favorite author. She read all of his books. Uh, I think she gave me Pet Cemetery to read once, and I mean, it didn't seem terrible, but I mean, once I got through about... I don't know, 65 pages of him describing the fur on the cat. Um, I figured this guy's a little long-winded, and I mentioned that's why I didn't read it. But I am very interested in his stories, and I did see a lot of his movies. You know, one of the things that, you know, my sister, you know her well. Um, (laughs) You're familiar with her. She was your maid of honor. Yeah. Uh, But uh, what we would do when we were teenagers is that, you know, during summer break, she would say, okay, tonight I'll show you a movie. And then tomorrow night, you can show me a movie. And she would always show me these Stephen King movies. And some of them were good. Some of them were bad. But uh, I guess through all this craze, you know, we discovered there are miniseries. And this was a few years later. We were a bit young when the It one came out. And it was, uh, I think the uh, the Stand was the big one, 1994. I mentioned that in the Dark Tower one. Oh, yeah, you showed me that one. Yeah, the Stand is like the, the gold standard of Stephen King adaptations, I, I still believe. But there was that. There's Langoliers. Then we went back and we realized, well, we've been doing these miniseries for a long time. Stephen King kind of fell out of favor with audiences uh the last like big theatrical adaptation i think that like as far as big theatrical adaptations was a movie called thinner in like 1996 and then after that he had like a couple of like tv movies that nobody really watched and there was like the sequel to carrie and a remake of the shining and all that but wasn't wasn't he the one who wrote the stories for the dome yeah well under the domes based on his book and apparently the tv show changed everything and I've talked about my hatred for once upon a time. Like you, what a bad TV show that's just drawn out you, to nothing. You've you've witnessed how much I hate Under the, the Dome. The <laughs> secret is in the butterflies flying. Yeah, let's not ever talk about Under the Dome ever again. But a good example that people have been trying to get Stephen King stories going for years now. Uh, and there really is a wealth of material here. And I guess it was the perfect place to start because it kind of... It kind of... <laughs> Uh, is like a very mainstream story. It's not that creepy. It's not like Cujo where it's very simple and almost too low budget. I mean, it's big. It has this creepy villain, but mm-hmm. it also has this cast characters or kids. And this is kind of where I think you know, the success of Stranger Things last year and even some other recent movies like Super 8 that you know uh, kind of tested the waters on the nostalgia of the 80s has really come in handy with this movie because oh yeah I don't feel like this movie would have been as big as it is if Stranger Things hadn't come out oh, last year. Stranger Things. Oh, I love that. And there are a lot of similarities to Stranger Things. I guess Stranger Things borrowed a lot from even when that show came out people were like very similar like Stephen King meets stuff like E.T. or Poltergeist like the Spielberg, you know, child thriller stuff from the 80s. Oh but, yeah. Uh, I guess they've been trying to get this off the ground. The Dark Tower movie for a long time, the Stan movie for a long time, and it was just, it's the right movie to really reintroduce Stephen King to people. Yeah. Uh, and it's a movie that, as much as people are so nostalgic for that miniseries, like, I saw so many people when this movie opened last week saying, you know, oh, well, will it be as good as the original? And it's like, if you really rewatch the original, mm-hmm. it's not that good. I mean, no. there are good moments, but I remember we rented that. This is my introduction to it. Uh, when my brother, uh, who was not your maid of honor, um, but he... Uh, I'm sure he's glad about that. <laughs> yes. 
uh, he was, um, I don't know, maybe 18, I was like 20, and uh, we went and got the It miniseries the first time. Now, we had seen all those other Stephen King miniseries growing up because of our sister. You know, Tommy Knockers and The Golden Years was one that I was very fond of as a kid. The Stand and uh, Langoliers and all those, Storm of the Century. It was probably the only one that I don't remember us watching. And we, we got it because we used to be on this kick where we just get, like, bad horror movies. And we watched it, but somehow we watched it backwards. It was VHS. It was, like, a double VHS. And we popped the first VHS in, which we didn't realize when the previous person returned it to the video store, put them in backwards. So we're watching the second part first, and it's all the stuff with the adults, which is the boring part of the story as far as I'm concerned. And that's unfortunate for who you know whoever's going to be developing the sequel to this. Uh, newsflash, this isn't a spoiler. There will be a sequel because they adapted half of a book. But then we're like, well, this is awful. It, it has this terrible like spider fight at the end. And we're like, okay, well, let's just watch the second part. And the second part all of a sudden is telling this backstory. And it really took us until the end of the movie to, to look at the video cassettes and realize we mixed them up. We watched part two first, but we loved that first part. And it was so different from the second part, you know, not just the fact that the second part is kind of just a reunion with a little bit of the Pennywise story stuck on, but like you identify more with the kids, I think. Even as adults, you identify more with the kids. And I think this movie captures that. So people who are fond of the original miniseries, I believe that they're fond of connecting the children. And uh, it's not even necessarily the story itself. I mean, it's kind of a foolproof story with the characters they have and just being able to be terrified because you're in the place of these kids. I mean, that's the first thing I'll say is that the setting of children makes this more terrifying, even though the movie isn't going to great lengths to be super graphic or uh, really over the top like and violent like other horror movies are. Or, or those movies where they have um, that suspense just to kind of make you jump out of your seat. It's not even really yeah. like that. It's kind, of, it's kind of just creepy. It's kind of hard to explain. Yeah, there are a few like jump scares. But yeah, yeah. it's... it's a, I wouldn't even say creepy, like, because I mentioned this on our uh, George Romero episodes we did, like Dawn of the Dead, Night of the Living Dead, Day of the Dead, that really there are only a handful of movies that have ever actually kind of scared me to the point where I was like, I was uncomfortable. Uh, this would be more along the lines of what I consider it's a disturbing movie. It's not particularly terrifying. It's just disturbing. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that it is kids that you're watching. Uh, and even if it's not a scenario that you are a kid, everybody can identify with being a kid. And it sort of plays up on like those childhood fears and we covered it's like it's like when you see those people that it's <laughs> kind of a random thought why do i feel like i'm about to edit out whatever you're about to say it's like when you see those people you've seen them on the internet and on tv those people that try to turn themselves into like a dinosaur or something and they they try to change their skin and, and okay i kind of know what you're talking about and, and they um, you see that person that tried to turn themselves into a cat or something i think they uh, yeah uh, i think i think that they commit suicide though what where do these things come from what i'm just trying to figure out how this relates to children terrified of a clown well, i'm just saying because it's disturbing when you watch the well, when you <laughs> watch a lot of things disturbing and you, but... you watch like you know these these people that put like horns underneath their skin and stuff like that it's just weird <laughs> You're just mentioning overall disturbing things. I'm trying to make a connection to the movie and then, here. And then it's like, don't stare at me. Well, it's like, well, maybe I wouldn't stare at you. You didn't put horns under your skin. I'm still trying to figure out what this has to do with it. I don't know. You're just it's, talking disturbing. It's, it's disturbing. Okay, a lot of things are disturbing. Thanks for the insight, Jamie. Um, what I was getting to there... <laughs> Is that in some ways I feel a movie is more effective if it's going to disturb you more than scare you. 
because scare it's subjective i mean everybody's scared by different things but anybody could be disturbed and this being children you identify with being a kid and uh we covered you know an episode of doctor who back in the summer just on our one of random uh tv recaps and there's something that like Stephen Moffat who's been running Doctor Who for the last few years has really brought into the show every single year and that's just playing up on childhood fears you know uh, little things that kids are afraid of he'll work that into an episode like oh well that statue over there I think that statue moved when I wasn't looking you know and then you're worried it's going to come after you if you don't stare at it nonstop. like he, he plays up on that and that's I think the most effective recipe for a horror movie is to go more for just something that's disturbing and unsettling than than scary and I think that's also one of the reasons this movie can reach a wide audience right now because people aren't going there saying like well that wasn't scary they're going there saying well you know I wasn't scared but it's really creepy yeah I, I want you to tell me. I want you to think of right now. Are you talking to me or the audience? Because you're making eye contact with the microphone only right now. You. <laughs> okay. It's, it's a shiny, blinky light on it. I'm distracted. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Squirrel. Yeah. <laughs> um, I want you to tell me what your three top fears would be. Or if you're in Because you're not really scared of much. Like, things that creep you out. I know I can name at least one for you. What? Rip paper. Well, that's okay, but... <laughs> So you're making me sound oh, like the world's biggest Oh, you, you guys, like, he hates it no, when no, I rip no, paper you're, in you're, front of him. He cringes. That's not a fear or a phobia, though. Like, I'm why saying do it creeps you out. It doesn't creep me out. It's just, it. it I hate it. it. It bothers me. It it makes me feel nauseous. There's something about ripped paper that really bothers me. That's not a fear, though. I mean, that's like saying, you know, if a person's a germaphobe, that they're sitting there having nightmares at night. Of, I mean, some people are. But I have things like I hate balloons because balloons oh, yeah, popping in your face. It's not even the scare. It's like I don't want the thing popping in my face. Get it away from me. You know, I hate ripped paper because there's something about it that, that nauseates me. But that's not like a fear. I'm you got not... another one? Um, I don't know. Death? I guess that's a pretty standard one. Probably a little bit more of a fear than oh, ripped come paper. On. Get over it. You're just going to die. <laughs> You're just going to have to deal with ripped paper. I mean, just tell me your fears. Let's get on with this. Okay. Number one is bugs, and you know that because I'll, f- I'll flail my arms like an idiot yeah. if there's any bugs. <laughs> Not just with bugs, just sometimes in general, just <laughs> flailing um, your arms like an idiot. Number two, oh, you know what? What was I going to say? I had it in my head. and now Bad I- memory is oh, rather fear. Now, number two is aliens popping out of people's stomachs. Yeah, because you can't... We talked about that on Alien oh, Covenant. Oh, so you scared of Terrified that. by Prometheus. Terrified. And number three would be, you know, because I really like food, num- <laughs> number three, my fear would be becoming obese. So I try really hard <laughs> to stay in shape. And I'm a little bit chubby, but I'm not, like, really fat. Yeah, which, by the way, Stephen King did write thinner, as I mentioned, about <laughs> uh, a horror story about obesity. <laughs> I don't know when his horror story about ripped paper... Put the cupcake down! <laughs> That's Arnold Schwarzenegger talking to kids in kindergarten cop, currently. Uh, let's move on and talk about the movie a little bit. So, this movie was in development for a long time, and I don't know, this whole creepy clown thing that exploded within the last year and a half, two years... I think most people now are really questioning whether it's some type of weird viral marketing of this movie because it caught on right as this movie was going into filming and they released like the first image of Pennywise or Bill Skarsgård as Pennywise when this whole creepy clown sightings over the world are happening. It just, it seemed really convenient for me, but at the same time, if if that is the case, brilliant marketing, if it's not, another thing that contributed to this becoming like the biggest movie in the world is just oh, the yeah. perfect timing with clowns becoming terrified again. Like, you want to talk about childhood fears, because I don't really have fears as an adult, and that's not me bragging. Like, your witness, we had a car, you know, maybe 20 feet in front of us, 
that it had a tire blow or something like that, and the entire back end popped up, and I swerved and missed it by inches. Well, yeah, because they swerved into our lane, and then they drove over the median into oncoming traffic on the other side. Yeah, and <laughs> we missed it. Terrifying. We <laughs> swerved and missed it by literally inches, and. I was just like, whoa, that was close. And I just sort of kept driving. And you're like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> I just, I don't have things that like scare me. I don't scare easily. But uh, let's talk about childhood fears here because that's what the movie's about. Oh. One of the reasons this works for me is because the youngest memory I have of being afraid of something was a clown's mask. And I don't remember this completely, but apparently when I was maybe two years old, you know, my uh, parents got me like my first Halloween costume. Uh, which was apparently a Care Bears mask. <laughs> Doesn't get any friendlier than Care Bears. But I apparently was like all day so excited that I was going to get a costume, was going to go out to get candy. And my mom walked in the door apparently and held up this Care Bears costume to me. And I screamed and hid under the blanket and refused to go trick-or-treating. <laughs> because the, for me, I guess as a kid, I didn't understand. You put on the mask. You're not going to be... I, I was thinking, I'm going to become a bear. I don't know what's going to happen. Like I don't know what I was thinking a costume was while I was so excited. But... The following year, I guess I had gotten over that and we had like a clown's mask that I wore. So I went out as a clown when I was three years old for Halloween. And the house we lived in, it was this tiny little farmhouse. I mean, we're ta- you saw it. It was yeah. like, tiny. Like bachelor apartments are bigger than this entire house. And there were five of us living there. You know, massive farm, beautiful farm. But like we were living like little house on the prairie style. It was just how cheap my dad it wasn't yeah, cheap you guys he had, loved you that guys type had of living. an outhouse we we had an outhouse that was a and couple a well. of minutes walkway and literally a well not like a well that you pump but like a bucket on a rope that's yeah. how we got our water but that's not my childhood fear of little house in the prairie <laughs> that's let's uh talk about this clown's mask so me my brother and sister are all in one tiny little cooped up room i mean if you want to know the size of it what would it have been maybe uh, eight by five, if that. I don't know. Not Tiny. very big. Three kids sleeping in there. And I was on the bottom bunk, and this clown mask was right next to my bed. And I can't tell you how many nights I woke up in the middle of the night, and it was dark, and I could see that clown mask at the corner of my eye, and I would be awake for hours. Not screaming for my parents, not closing my eyes, nothing, but just staring at this mask for two hours straight, <laughs> not wanting to take my eyes off of it. You're such a freak. <laughs> so the clown thing, I identify with that. But, um... I guess with this movie, the whole clown craze, I mean, where do you weigh in on it? If this is viral marketing, just brilliant viral marketing, or did it, is just, just maybe it was just people getting excited for the movie It, because there was a lot of excitement for this movie, even when it was announced. But what do you think it's all started with? You know, it's kind of hard to say. It, it might very well be something that was intended, uh, but at the same time, you know, it might just be people that were excited for it, as you were saying. Um, I saw this funny meme today. It was talking about, you know, Halloween 2016. And it had all these pictures of uh, Harley Quinn. Mm-hmm. And then it says Halloween 2017. And it's all these pictures of Pennywise. Yeah. And it's like, that's actually absolutely true. Um, I'd much rather Harley Quinn costumes around. I, I mean, Pennywise. like, I, I think it was entertaining to see these clowns hidden creepily around these areas and stuff like that scaring people but if it was me in that situation i'd be terrified so i wouldn't want to personally experience it yeah but i mean it's just everything about this movie was the right movie at the right place at the right time and i i'm still trying to figure out if this clown craze helped this movie or not because it's unusual for any horror movie to get the type of buzz this had early on this was getting like when it started filming and they released the first photo of bill skarsgård as 
Pennywise. I remember that exploded on the internet, like exploded on the internet, just yeah. the first photo. Yeah. And it's not like the It miniseries. I mean, a lot of people remember it, but it wasn't like the biggest thing in the world. And this was like on levels of like the teaser trailer for The Last Jedi that we saw earlier this year, or, you know, when the Lord of the Rings teaser first came out in 2001, it was like, it's just, everybody's talking about this and it's just a photo. And then when the trailer came out, it like broke downloading records. I mean, it's just insane how much hype there was about this movie. But before the trailer even came out, just knowing all the stuff with the clown stuff and just hearing people talking about, oh, they're making a movie of it. I predicted, you're the witness of it. Yeah. I said, this will guaranteed go on to become the highest grossing horror film of all time. It may go on to become the highest grossing R-rated film of all time. And we're like a week and a half into this release and it's already on track to do that. I well, mean, and the thing is, is it, I think honestly that it's just going to get more and more attention and people seeing mm-hmm. it because the thing is, is, you know, they released it here just recently in September, but I mean, next month coming up, that's Halloween. Yeah. Like, and that's the other thing that's interesting is that a horror movie usually don't release it in September. I mean, there are horror movies now that make money during the summer. Like the Insidious movies had summer releases, the Conjuring movies, the the Purge movies. If it's a bigger blockbuster type horror movie, it makes sense. Most horror movies get released in October or January. January because it's just a dumping ground for movies you don't know what to do with. And people actually will pay. The one thing about horror movies is that they make money regardless of when you release them. But the smart time to release them is when A, there's either nothing else in the theaters like January or October when you know people are going to want to scare. Yeah. Um, This release in in September, you even told me like a week or two before it came out, I said, it just seems dumb to release it this far from Halloween. I said, it's the smartest thing because if you remember it, it had as much to do about, you know, summer vacation and... Kids going back to school. Well, yeah, ending school, summer vacation, going back to school. I mean, that whole audience, this feels like the time of year where you can capitalize on that and you guarantee a couple weeks worth of you know, massive grosses. It made $123 million this opening weekend, $60 million in its second weekend. And it does kind of make sense because by the time Halloween rolls around, there there is tons of people that have seen it and be like, you need to see this for Halloween. Yeah. And and you're going to get repeat business. That's the big thing of it. And, uh, because of the, how big this opening was, I mean, this thing's probably going to be number one for the entire month of September. You know, we'll get like Blade Runner, knock it out for a week or two in October. And then it's going to be right back for Halloween. This movie's going to be around forever. Like, this could challenge Wonder Woman for like the highest grossing of the year, pre Star Wars. That is. Hey, Colin. Uh huh. You have an IQ of like a genius. I do. I that want... is a known fact. I, Everybody it, listening to this knows that it is actually true. Because I actually was able to say Titanic is terrible. <laughs> no, everybody knows that you don't have to, you don't have to have, have the IQ of a genius to say that. No, so in in your you know opinion, uh huh. Why do you think? clowns are actually so creepy just in general even the ones that actually aren't meant to be creepy why are they so creepy what is it about them because you're looking it's the same reason why you kind of mentioned people who do things to change their skin or put the horns under them you're looking at a human form that there's something off with and even if they're they got the big red nose or whatever and the smiles are so always so over the top it seems unsettling it seems like you're looking at a person but there's something different about it and something uh, that you're not comfortable with. I guess that's why it can also be kind of disturbing and the same type of thing when you see a woman who is wearing like about 10 times more makeup than she should be. Like, you know, this... <laughs> <laughs> oh, no! Like this really bright, you know, blue eyeshadow and then like red lipstick and all this like, you know, dark pink blush and like... This, you like, just mentioned Harley Quinn and black, nobody's uncomfortable with Harley no, Quinn. big, big black bad eyebrows. <laughs> like... 
is just like clowns. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> I remember all no, the... No, no, no. Uh, you know what? I, there's a lady, and it doesn't matter. I won't say her name. She doesn't work at my, our work anymore. But there was somebody that that worked there at one point where we worked together. I won't say if it was this job or the last one because in case anybody's listening to this and I saw her without makeup one time <laughs> because this lady wore pounds and pounds of makeup. I saw her one time and she wore so much makeup. I didn't even realize who she was when I saw her without makeup. I, I looked at her straight in the eye and I didn't recognize her and I work with this person all the time. Yeah. Um, that's also why next year women with heavy makeup uh, sightings are going to go viral on the internet. <laughs> Try to scare people. <laughs> Jamie just spit something out here. <laughs> <laughs> um, do we need the Heimlich here? Are you alright? No, I'm good uh, Let's talk a little bit about the movie here Since we've gone long enough on women with heavy makeup And my fear of clowns and ripped paper uh, <laughs> And people distorting their appearance Yeah um, So the movie here I mean, we, we, we kind of talked about like why this movie was successful At the time it's released And why that was smart um, Let's break this down It's basically the kids and the clowns and this is what everybody knows. I mean, it's it's a group of kids who are being terrorized by this clown. And this is where I think the movie is most effective is uh, not just the whole premise, as I said, about, you know, childhood fears about, you know, something's coming to get you. Yeah. But these kids work in the movie. Um, it's, it's the character development they have. In the original miniseries, they were more over the top in characters like... The, the main kid, I forget the names because it's been a week and a half, but the one with the stutter, you know, his stutter was a little bit too over the top. Uh, the, you know, funny kid, the smart mouth kid, it, he was kind of like an annoying comedian. Richie? I think it was Richie, yeah. Uh, like, all of their quirks were just a little bit too exaggerated in the original miniseries, but uh, in this one, it's it's very subtle. Like, this, the funny kid who goes on to become a comedian in the original miniseries and in the book. In here, he's just kind of, he always has a quip. He's always insulting people. He's kind of just a bit of a trash talk. He's very white man can't jump is what he is. That that kid stole the show for me. Like, he did. And uh, here's... Like, like, obviously, Pennywise stole the whole show. Yeah. But as far as the kids go, that kid, he was the one from... From Stranger Things. Stranger who's the things. main kid on Stranger Amazing. Things. Who's like the, I guess, mild-mannered one on Stranger Things. And here, he's like foul-mouthed, trash-talking non-stop one-liners like really hilarious obnoxious kid so who's your second favorite mine would probably be the girl uh she was okay but i i felt like her character i don't feel like they did a good enough job explaining why she fit with the group you know um i, I don't know i mean i think surprisingly the main kid bill considering the original he was a little bit oh, too over the, the top of the stutter kid? no the oh, main no. kid um, the one whose brother dies. Georgie is his brother. Like, he really has to carry the dramatic scenes of the movie, and the plot is really about him because yeah. this, this movie starts with him. I thought that he was the best. There are kids, I will say, like, A, the kids' performances are phenomenal in this movie. Um, and it's not often that you get... A lot of times people are a little bit too generous with kids and like, oh, that kid gave such a good performance. Like, okay, but if it was an adult giving that performance, you'd be critical. These kids give a good performance whether they're kids or adults. Uh, the development is really there for these characters. You really get behind them. They're not shoved down your throat. There's enough balance with them. They don't all feel like caricatures, which I think the miniseries uh, came a little bit too close to. But some of them are shortchanged, and that's where my first criticism is going to come if we're talking about the kids here. You have all this great development, and then you do have the a few kids that 
really just sort of have very little significance. The biggest surprise being Ben, as you said, the chubby kid. Oh, yeah. Because in the original... I did did like him, too. I can't speak about the book because I didn't read it, but at least in the original miniseries, he was pretty much the main kid. Like, him and Bill, it was them. And he's so important to the story because he's the one that connects them to all this history. He's just sort of there, and every once in a while, he gives you, like, a little bit of history, and then it's almost like they just drop him from the movie. Um, and it's kind of weird because he is a more important character. You know, the other one that I felt that uh, they really uh, dropped the ball with was um, uh, Stan, who... Which one was that? Stan was the... I don't know if his dad was the rabbi or something. Like that. He was the one preparing oh, yeah, for his yeah, bar mitzvah. Yeah. Um, Stan... Maybe there's not as much story to tell with him here in this movie, but if you know anything about what will become the sequel, the adult portion of the story... He, you know, he's not going to have a lot to do in that one in comparison. So it, it almost feels like this was the opportunity to do something with him. And you could have done more with some of these characters. Um, I don't want to criticize it too much because the kids, they do a lot of stuff with, they really do well with. Uh, the bullies is another thing. Like we really have two groups of kids in this. We have the the ones that are the outcast kids, which are the main ones that Pennywise is terrifying uh, or terrorizing. And then we have the bully crew. Uh, and the bully crew, like, again, w- another thing that Stephen King did really well was portraying, like, accurate bullies, where it's not just that these bullies are kind of mean and they're running these kids down. Like, they're terrifying bullies. Like, they're they're holding knives and the, switchblades to these the, kids. They'll cut you. They will cut you. Uh, we don't want to give too much away, but it's pretty much the most, uh, I guess, unsettling portrayal of child bullying that you've ever seen in movies and they find a way to give these characters development too where i'm not going to say they make them sympathetic um there are moments where you understand them a little bit better but it's just you really get these characters and they serve their purpose in the movie so well yeah excellent chime in there jamie i'm glad you're on the episode (laughs) uh you have anything else to add on any of the kids you mentioned the girl like tell me what is you liked about the girl as much what what was her name in this movie bev bev Yeah. yeah um I don't know. I I liked her interactions with uh, Ben. The yeah, chubby, the, like the, the two kid. scenes they had. <laughs> no, but I'm I'm just saying like I like the way that they kind of played off each other. But in the end, I did feel like he was kind of gypped a little bit. Yeah. Because she knew that he had, you know. Well, no. Like, Try not to spoil stuff. I'm giving like the. the it's in the original story. What do you mean an original story? In the miniseries. It's the same thing. Well, we're trying not to spoil it if people haven't watched the miniseries. Not oh everybody listening gosh. to this watches a cheesy 90s miniseries with, with uh, uh, who is that guy who was in it? Uh, Jonathan Brandis and... Uh, <laughs> who is the guy who is the clown originally? Tim Curry. Yeah, that, that yeah. was great. Tim Curry was awesome in the original. I love him in uh, uh, Home Alone. Yeah. <laughs> Most people say Rocky Horror Picture Show, which you haven't really seen. but No, yeah, I've seen Home that. Alone. I know it. Uh, no, but, um, I mean, the bullies are definitely scary. Uh, the reason why I didn't have much to kind of put in for that is because you said everything that I wanted to say. You yeah. left me with nothing. Yeah, that's I guess the- I guess that's what, you know, having such a high IQ does. There <laughs> I, you go. I say things that people with low IQs <laughs> are going to say. I don't have a low IQ. That's <laughs> just enough. There. Anyway, <laughs> in comparison, let's just say. Uh, oh, did, did, did you marry somebody with a low IQ so you could have children with regular IQs because you didn't want to, you didn't want to over the burden over, over the, <laughs> you're not helping your cause here over the burden i'm tired i'm tired <laughs> you didn't want to overburden the world with more genius people absolutely that's it that's yeah. it right there yeah. let's move on um okay so you can edit that part out right no that's all right <laughs> 
<laughs> uh, let's talk about Pennywise because I guess that's the main star of this. And the thing that I think is best about this is people are worried that they're going to go too far and show you too much Pennywise. One of the reasons this movie does work is that Pennywise is used sparingly, like way more sparingly than you would think. When you see the trailers, you think you get the idea, well, you're going to see him this much. However much you think you'll see Pennywise in this movie is just a little bit less. And I think it is very smart to do that because you see him little enough that every time it has like a real impact. And the most important thing is, of course, the performance from Bill Skarsgård. Now, well, this guy's eyes are are creepy. Yeah, well, uh, even even without it's, the makeup, it's there's an interesting thing. I mean, he has huge eyes naturally, but um, it it's interesting that the first thing I noticed in the opening scene, which we should also say that opening scene is dynamite. With really everybody's seen it in the trailer, you know, Georgie with his boat. And then Pennywise in the sewer, you know, and the death of Georgie and everything, which sets the entire plot of the movie going forward. Um, that scene's amazing. But something I noticed in the opening scene is that his eyes, in one shot, they will be completely straight. And in another shot, they'll just be a little bit out of alignment. One will be up, one will be down a little. And it's obviously contacts he's wearing this, but it's just, it's a little detail that makes him look so creepy by doing nothing different other than just the slightest change in the alignment of his contacts. But... But it's also the way that he actually delivered the lines. Because, I mean, this isn't really spoiling anything because it's mm-hmm. right at the beginning of the movie. But <clears throat> when he's uh, doing that iconic scene, you know, in the sewer yeah. and stuff like that, talking to Georgie, and he and he's saying, talking to him about his boat, he's like, take it. Yeah, yeah, there's... And then, and then he's talking about his brother Bill. He's like, Bill's going to kill you. Yeah, <laughs> there's little things he fits in there. And it, it's just his delivery of lines is so different. And I, I remember I was kind of disappointed when he was cast, I didn't know him from anything. But the original actor that is cast in this, we should also say the original director, Carrie Fukunaga, who uh, was famous for the, the TV show True Detective, uh, he was signed on to do this movie, and he still retains a screenwriting credit, but he dropped out of directing. That, for one, was disappointing to me, because I'm like, I'm really excited to see it with the guy that did True Detective. And then the original actor that cast Will Poulter, um, if I show him a picture of you, I'll pull up, you'll recognize him, but... He originally started as, I guess, a child actor. He was in one of the Narnia movies and then uh, went on to do uh, The Maze Runner, which he kind of stole the show for as, like, the big scary bully in The Maze Runner. And then, you know, after that, did the movie The Revenant. You've seen this guy. Yeah. Yeah. Gave one of the best performances in The Revenant with Leonardo DiCaprio. Uh, But when he was cast, I'm like, I can see that guy as Pennywise. And then when he dropped out and they cast Bill Skarsgård, I looked at him just on his own not in the makeup and I'm like this guy is the terrifying clown like with Tim Curry you could see it because there's just something very uncomfortable the way he smiles with this guy I didn't get it and it's also you're gonna know his family too uh Bill Skarsgård who plays Pennywise you know his dad I told you 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 didn't recognize him or anything but his dad uh Stellan Skarsgård who's most famous for the Avengers movies but also he played Orlando Bloom's father in the uh Pirates of the Caribbean movies you know him uh, yeah. He was one of the uh, love interests of Meryl Streep in um, Mamma Mia. Oh, boy. I think I remember. <laughs> With Pierce Brosnan and Colin Firth as the other guys. And his brother, who you're a big fan of, uh, played Tarzan last year in the Legend of Tarzan movie. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> you guys missed Jamie covering that movie. Lady Boner. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, but this is like the little, the little bar- brother of the guy that played Tarzan. And Stella Skarsgård. So you knew he had some acting talent in him. But if you look at him, even compared to, like, his brother, he looks so small and, like, diminutive. And just, he has so much, like, 
such a great physical presence to this character and just the little mannerisms he has. There's a ton of comparisons going on right now to just Heath Ledger as the Joker and that he's not only delivering this character in a way where he steals every line he has in the movie, steals the scene. But it's like he is Pennywise. Yeah, he lives this character. Yeah. uh, But he also created a character in a different way where this is where people really have to see it because his portrayal of Pennywise, it doesn't feel like anything you've ever seen before. Even just the way he talks, the way he delivers every line. It's like he's speaking in a way you've never heard a human being speak before. It's a completely unique character. And even though I'm not one of these people who, who loves where a big blockbuster movie catches on, they give it an Oscar nomination just to give it an Oscar nomination. Johnny Depp got an Oscar nomination for Best Actor for Pirates of the Caribbean. Like, really? But if Bill Skarsgård gets an Oscar nomination for it, A, I wouldn't be surprised. And B, I wouldn't complain. It is a really unique, really brilliant performance. And I think this is a, uh, a character that he's created that's going to not only withstand the test of time, this is going to be like an immortal villain. Like, it's it's one of a kind. Oh, yeah. It's it's iconic. Yeah. And it's also helped by the fact, as I said, that they don't use him all that much in the movie. And I don't want people to be disappointed saying, oh, we're not going to get to see Pennywise. When you see Pennywise, it's worth it. But they use him so sparingly, they know when to introduce him and when not to. Yeah, I think, I think that I really liked... Uh certain things that he did uh, that was really small that you might have not picked up on like uh when wait a second i have the bigger iq here i didn't pick up on it no i know <laughs> um like when he was um later in the movie talking about eating the kids and i mean obviously that doesn't give anything away because that's what he's yeah. known for um i thought that it was so cool how he actually um was drooling later in the movie did you notice that no see i've told you you didn't even pick up on it it was such a small thing when he was like as the movie goes on and on uh you can see through him being hungry or whatever else i don't know like you could just see him drooling and stuff like that all over himself down his mouth mm-hmm. uh when you know there's the end of the movie uh and uh obviously you have to see kind of how everything f- unfolds in the conclusion of it uh you know, with these kids and they're right up against him, you see him like drooling all over himself. It's just great. Yeah. yeah. It, it's, it's always a, great to see some good drooling on. No, it, I'm saying it's another part of the character where really, honestly, you don't think about it, but it makes sense. For me, it's mostly just his line delivery. It sounds so different. Like I said, I mean, you like the mannerisms. I like, you know, his delivery of the lines, but there's something there I, for I everybody. like the mouth thing too. With all the teeth. Oh, the effect they have, yeah. That was way better than the miniseries. And the miniseries did it well, too. Like, we're not knocking... We're knocking parts of the miniseries that I think people give it too much credit for. Oh, it was was so good, though, for what it was. Yeah, and Pennywise was terrifying. Pennywise is just a terrifying character. Like, we should give Stephen King credit here. There have been some bad adaptations of his work, but there's something about his stories that really do reach people. And even as somebody who's not a fan of Stephen King, when they do a Stephen King adaptation, I'm like, I kind of want to see that because it's going to be different. It's going to be unique, yeah. uh, even if it's not something that's scary to me. Um, there are a few scenes in this movie that don't work. Now, it, it's interesting. Everybody asked me after I saw it, what did you think of it? And I've kind of had the same response to everybody. I'm like, as far as being a horror movie, it's basically the Citizen Kane of horror movies. It is like a masterpiece of horror movies. But having said that... I do also have to say, it is a horror movie still. There are flaws with it. There are holes. There are things that simply don't work. Um, a couple of scenes I'll point out, just an example, where I feel like the tone just changes. Like so, It's so weird the way the tone changes. Uh, there's a famous scene, it's not that much of a spoiler, but there's a famous scene in the well, A, the book, B, the miniseries, and this, 
where there's a fight, I guess, between the bullies and, you know, the outcast kids. And it's kind of like a rock fight. And it should be this big heroic triumphant moment. But the way it plays out in this movie is like there's this music that plays and it just it doesn't work. It almost feels all of a sudden too over the top too semi-comical and there's another scene you know uh there's a creepy bathroom scene that you know everybody's familiar with if they've seen the miniseries and they do bring that over into this one and it's very disturbing but then it drags out too long and we get like three or four other scenes where it's like well we're still talking about the bathroom and then they're all in the bathroom cleaning it and it's almost like this I'd compare it to like Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure where he's got Abraham Lincoln and Beethoven scrubbing toilets. I mean, you know, like it's just, it, it just feels so out of place for this movie and I don't feel like some of those scenes there just didn't work and they felt like a completely different movie. You stole Deacon's Easter basket. There's a creepy movie. Unintentionally creepy, but yes, Bill yeah. and Ted's Bogus Journey. No, but it, it did go on too long. Yeah. I agree. It's not even just going on. I mean, going too I, long I, I is like, part of it. I like yeah. the first part of it, like when everything happens. But then, again, you're right. It's like, well, why am I watching them clean and stuff like that for five minutes? Yeah. It, it, I, I this... understand that in that scene, though, there was like some character development between characters. But it's the way. But... The, it's not even the context of what the scene is. It's the way the scene was played, the way it was filmed, the way it was edited, the way it was presented. And I have a similar problem to. Uh, there's really two big showdowns they have with Pennywise in this. One takes place inside a house. The other one takes place, I guess, in the sewers. The one that takes place inside the house, A, again, it runs on a little bit way too long. Uh, a little bit too way too long. Somewhere in the middle between a little bit and way too. Uh, but also, there's certain moments in that that I feel like are, are just not presented in the right way. And the tone just shifts back and forth too rapidly in, in an awkward way. And in kind of like a laughable way. And then some of the gags they have there become a little bit too much like jump scares uh i just i i don't feel like everything works in this movie and that's not knocking the movie the movie was fantastic as i said it's a citizen kane of horror films but if you're not like a big horror fan be prepared you're still gonna see it as a horror movie that is flawed in certain ways yeah no i definitely agree um i i'm not one for watching too many horror movies just because i usually do get scared easy but i really enjoyed this one yeah. <laughs> yes, that's what I was getting. No, I do. I do get scared easy. Yeah, I do. No, but as far as like scary goes, I mean, there are a few moments in this movie where it almost gets too much Nightmare on Elm Street ish. Uh, because the other complaint I have is that the rules aren't clearly established in this movie. Uh, like as far as what are the rules of Pennywise? What can he do to you, and what effect does it have in the real world? When can he appear? What gives him power? These things just aren't clearly explained in the movie, and that's kind of the plot hole that I'm talking about. Uh, and maybe they want to get into that in the sequel, but like it's, it, you need to explain certain things in the first one. In particular, this hurts it in the climax, where suddenly it doesn't necessarily make sense. And you know, I don't want to give too much away, but one of the things that they uh, show in this movie that well, Pennywise gets his power from people being afraid of him. So it's like, so if we're not afraid of him, you know, he'll go away. It's like, well, just because this group of six kids isn't afraid of him, this entire movie is not about six kids. It's about an entire town where literally a dozen people a year are dying. Right. You know, there's like, you know, tons of people who've been killed just because these kids aren't afraid. That doesn't mean Pennywise, you know, is beaten or anything like that. So the rules of what Pennywise can do in this movie and particularly, as I said, with... Uh, you know what can hurt him and all that it's just never clearly established in this movie part of that i think is in that they're trying to still figure it out because i did some research without reading the book because i don't have 
time to read a thousand pages, especially of Stephen King describing the clown's nose to us for 300 of those. <laughs> but uh, the climax was changed in both the miniseries and this, uh, for this part of the story, because this is half of the book that we're looking at here. And the original climax is very elaborate and involves like some weird plot with aliens and, you know, some type of alien entity and uh, all this weird other dimensional stuff, stuff that isn't in this movie. And they found a way to kind of tone it down in the miniseries and found a way to tone it down even more here. I like that they toned it down, but part of that, I think, is that the, the Stephen King's climax and his real backstory of what Pennywise is is way too complicated in the book that there's no way to properly tell the story. So they just kind of have to wing it. And a lot of the uh, important plot points that would explain these holes to me have to get left out because they haven't figured out how do we get around this yet. Yeah, well, and... and... That's kind of what I was thinking about, like, you know, what exactly is Pennywise and, like, how does he have these powers and where is he yeah. from? And there and was a deleted things. scene, which Bill Skarsgård talked about this past week, where they go into detail with that. He described it as being too disturbing to show. Uh, but even with that scene, the way it was described, there's still a lot that... <laughs> uh, you, you, this movie's two hours and 15 minutes. You need a little bit more time, you know? Um, so I'm not criticizing them because, oh, well, they, they had too complicated of a story. They didn't get it right. Well, but at the same time, you do watch this and you start to scratch your head at times and say, I don't really get this. This kind of contradicts what we saw earlier. We'd have to get into spoilers to get into that. But you know what I'm saying. I know what you're saying. I gotcha. Yeah. Um, going through the story here, any other scenes that we haven't mentioned that you really liked? I mean, really the first half of this movie is just introducing the kids and Pennywise scaring them all in a different way. Uh what was your favorite scene in the movie? Well, I'm not going to say it was like my favorite or anything. I had lots of ones where I liked it, but I thought it was hilarious when um, Bev is in the uh, pharmacy or whatever, and she's helping the boys uh, oh, yeah. steal stuff, and she's basically flirting with this really old man. Yeah, there's a creepy moment there. Yeah, um... it's hilarious. And then there's another funny moment where, uh, and it's kind of. I think it was. Uh, I think it was at the miniseries too, maybe. It was this uh, part where she's like um, diving with the boys or whatever, oh, or swimming. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you see her sunbathing just in like her bra and panties or whatever. And then you see all the boys staring. And as soon as yeah. she looks at them, they all look away. Yeah, well, that's... And, it, and it's just kind of funny because it's like, oh, that's such a teenage boy thing. Yeah, well, you couldn't do that. I mean, it's a teenage anything scene. We kind of went into that in our Dirty Dancing episode, which is coming soon. But... Um... Oh, don't get me started on that one. Yeah, we'll we'll get to that. Anyways, uh, <laughs> you're gonna divorce me after you hear our dirty dancing episode. But yeah, I guess that's another thing they did really well in this. That maybe you couldn't go as far as in the miniseries because you really get these kids at the age they are. And movies have a tendency to either not show characters being old enough. You have 13 year olds but they're still acting like 11-year-olds, or they're too mature for 13. And this is kind of the perfect middle ground. There's still an innocence there, but you're getting these kids are you know, a little bit more mature than you know what you're used to seeing in movies. There is another scene which is in the book that I read about, uh, which again maybe goes a little bit too far and takes all the innocence away. And I, I would love to read the book just to understand why that scene's in there. But I know what you're saying. There are some of these scenes here that are a little bit uncomfortable, but there's still some humor in it because it's playing up on teenagers at this age and it's kind of a very realistic portrayal of teenagers at that age. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. Um, My favorite scene is the one that people know of in the trailer where they're kind of watching the slideshow. 
Oh, and you see cool. Pennywise are getting closer. Such an effective scene. I don't care it was in the trailer. It looks great in this movie. And the way it plays out, because there are moments in the trailer that you think, well, that part's been spoiled. There's a little bit more in all of those scenes in the trailer where you're like, whoa, that was different. I and didn't that, expect it to go there. And actually, it's funny because it. I think it is in the trailer too. Um, but like you said, it's weird, even though it was in the trailer and it's like, I've technically already seen that. It works so well in the movie, the part with Georgie where he's just screaming and he's like, y'all fall too, yeah. y'all fall too. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so bloody scared. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. I don't want to float. The, the kid that plays Georgie, there's the unsung hero of the movie. He really has like two scenes in this, maybe three, but like... That's the most sympathetic character in the movie, and, and, and I feel like, and he's so cute though. That's so, what so, makes it work. You yeah, I know feel it's, just it's so, awful. It's so creepy because the kid's so cute, and why are you so scared of this cute kid? Yeah, and well, it's not even just the scare; it's even the scene where you know uh, he encounters Pennywise the first time, which really introduces him to the movie. I mean, this is the kid that's on a poster, and it's such a small role in the movie, but that is what the most terrifying thing about it is, is you take the most innocent, nicest kid in the world, and you have the most awful thing ever happen to him. I mean, that sets the tone for the movie, and that one scene, that's why I was praising it earlier on, that one scene is so important, and that is the reason why I think this goes from being a good, entertaining horror movie to, like, the Citizen Kane of horror movies. Yeah, I mean, I, I was going to say one other thing, but I just realized that I'd be spoiling it, so Yeah, I can't. please don't. Yeah. Um, but but isn't it sad though that like with Georgie like he, he's not there's no way to save him like he's just completely gone. No, you're you're hoping for a sequel where it's like we found Georgie in the afterlife and we brought him back to life. Well, no, like thank you, magical lady with too much makeup on, that you were able to help us defeat Pennywise and no, bring my brother back to life. I, I I can't I can't go into spoilers, but with the way that they leave the ending, it's like you don't really fully understand what actually happens to well, these kids, the kids that he had taken. Like okay, are yeah, they, there's are, other kids are, that are, are, are these, involved. Here. Are these kids actually like forever gone? Like are they dead? Like what's happening? Yeah. I don't know. And again, some of this stuff may be explained in the sequel, and I think we should give a little bit of grace to this movie because just because you've seen the miniseries or even you know read the book. That doesn't mean, oh, automatically everything that we saw in the miniseries is going to be in the sequel. Because what we see in the miniseries, and I'm guessing it's the same with the book, is that the largest part of the story is what happens to them as they're kids. The second half is them all coming together again, realizing, you know, Pennywise is... And we're going to... If you didn't want it spoiled, there will be a part two because there was a second half of the book, you know, where there's the other encounter with Pennywise and uh, we won't give too much away if you haven't seen that one uh, or the miniseries, but there's not as much dramatic material in what would be the sequel. So maybe there are, they are saving some of these things for later on and they are leaving some things open because of, well, we have to fill out the second half because we don't have as much to work with. Oh, actually, another scene that I really liked was the one where Ben's in the library and Pennywise is chasing him around the basement. Yeah, I barely remember that one. I gotta I, be I honest. I like that one. Uh, for I, me, I, a I, lot I, did, of those... I did think that the scene though with the the Jewish kid, um, mm-hmm. with, Stan, with the lady with the messed up face, I thought yeah. that was kind of cheesy. Well, yeah. There, see, this is part of my problem is that you have so many kids in this movie, and the first hour is almost like here's a scene with Ben, here's the scene with Stan, here's a scene with Bev, and they all get their thing. And some of those scares work better than others. Some of those scares are directly out of the book, as I've read in miniseries. Some of them are new. And yeah, some of them just don't work the same. They're not as effective, and it starts to drag on a little after a while. The most effective scene is actually how Pennywise reaches the bully, which we want to give nothing away for, because that scene is phenomenal. It involves the bully's dad and all that. 
uh, that's kind of like the the scene stealing uh, moment of the movie. Oh, for me. that was so good. Yeah, but um, only other thing to really say on the end is again, if if you've been living under a rock, uh, then sorry to spoil this for you. It too is coming soon, and apparently it's going to be like very soon. They may have it within a little over a year, like early two thousand nineteen or something like that. Um, it, everybody knew that coming in because when they said they were adapting this movie, they specifically said we're adapting just the the half that deals with the kids. We're leaving the one that takes place when they're in their 40s out of it because that'll be for a sequel. Um, this movie is perfect in that it is its own story. But the only type, if you don't want anything spoiled, including the end title, then uh, tune out now. But we'll just say this movie ends with a brief scene where the characters are kind of explaining, well, I guess there is a second part of this is going to be coming. And then the title, which at the beginning of the movie just said It, the title comes up at the end and it actually says It Chapter 1. So the official title of this movie, which is cool, is officially It Chapter 1, as we see in the end titles. Yeah. So we know the second part's coming. We know that they plan for it. It's going to be coming soon. Um, what are your feelings on the sequel? Because it's not like you could say, I loved It. I'm definitely going to love the second one. It's a completely different story. It takes place... 27 years later you're gonna have totally different actors you're gonna have adult actors this time in a way it's i don't feel it's as scary that's just my personal opinion but that's the way the miniseries handled it you know maybe it is different uh they're gonna have to come up with something better than a giant spider for the climax i'm excited to see what they're gonna do with it i'm excited just because i think as i said there isn't as much material for the second half so i know that they're gonna have to get creative and surprise us a little bit right and on top of that they're talking like an it franchise we could eventually just go back like the entire idea of it or Pennywise is that he's been around for hundreds of years and every what is it, 27 years he appears and he just terrorizes and kills people because he's hungry yeah I, I terrorize and kill people too if I was that hungry <laughs> <laughs> if I didn't eat for 27 years yeah that is no I'm just joking you don't eat for 27 hours okay uh, you okay a few lives if, if anybody in law enforcement is listening to this please do not come arrest me I was just joking <laughs> nobody listens to this show on law enforcement (laughs) (laughs) otherwise ben would be in jail by now (laughs) well that's a good point um but yeah i think they can surprise us there could be pennywise prequels uh there's a lot of creative ways that you can milk this cow (laughs) and they're going to do that is there any uh other stephen king stories that you'd like to see them remake i know i can tell you Mm -hmm. for me uh, I'd actually like to see them remake Pet Cemetery. I actually really like that one. Yeah, I mean, I think that's one that could do with a bit of updating. Um, again, my familiarity with it is more from the movies than anything else. I know that, you know, you said, oh, well, they've never done a Carrie. Well, they, or you said they did a remake. My sister, who's the big Stephen King fan, is like, they never remade Carrie. I'm like, they made a sequel to it. I'm like, no, they did remake Carrie. It was that bad. <laughs> no, no, no. I said they did. You guys were both saying I know, they did. I know. That's what I just said. I corrected myself and said that. Oh, See, yeah. low IQs don't pick up on subtle things no, like that. No, no, listen. You guys were both in the car and you said, yeah, they didn't remake. And I said, uh, yeah, they did. And it was horrible. Yeah, there's a reason why I forgot it because it was that bad. But anyway, It anyways, was bad. Some of these things, updating is not going to help. And the, the book that I read, though, like Firestarter, that one, have they ever made a movie? Yeah, with Drew Barrymore. Oh, Okay. I've in never fact, said, you I've started never this episode it. by saying I read the book and saw the movie. No, 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 no. no. I just said I read the book. I never saw the movie. Oh, we'll have I, to I said, to I said I saw some of his movies. I only saw like uh, Pet Cemetery and uh, a few of the other ones. Mm-hmm. Well, I talked about this in the Dark Tower episode. The Stand is like oh, that was awesome. The, like it, you can't make one movie out of it. You have to make at least a trilogy. Uh, you could do it as a two-parter, but really, it would work as a trilogy. 
when they were working on the stand a few years ago, my brother and I, we worked out how this movie should be told and even picked like our dream cast for the movie too, which maybe we'll get into in a stand episode. But that's the obvious one because it's not like you can just say, well, Stephen King's hot again. Let's take every Stephen King story because he has small stories. Like Christine is a story about a killer car. Okay. It's not on the level of epicness of it. You know, same thing with Cujo. It's a killer dog. I mean, you have to look at his stories that are bigger, that involve a lot of characters, that have maybe a little bit more of that fantasy element to it. The Stand is the obvious one. But it's kind of set the bar high now where you can't just say we're going to go out and we're going to remake, uh, you know, Sleepwalkers. And people are going to be like, oh, that's the one I've been dying to see. But something like The Stand obviously would work. Something like Pet Cemetery might um and, you know, obviously the Dark Tower, if they could ever do that right. Sorry. Um, <laughs> uh, well, that one was terrible. Let's not even get into that. You were lucky that you avoided that one. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, you kind of have to pick just the really big epic Stephen King stories. And I almost feel like something like Under the Dome would make more sense if you were to not make it a TV show that goes on uh. for years and years and goes nowhere, but make maybe a proper movie out of it or two movies. Uh, but you'd have to be very specific with, with and we know that there will be the Stephen King universe now because even in his books his books are always connected with characters popping up from one to the other but it's going to happen it's just a matter of which stories are going to work because I don't think audiences are going to care that much about a lot of these stories the big screen version is not going to have the you know fanfare that it had or the stand might have yeah well and it, you know it's sometimes it is something yeah, it's it's sometimes some something that you get excited about just for nostalgia and everything when you have this movie that you saw, you know, in your younger years or whatever. I mean, I'm not really that old, but in my younger years. Um like you know, even uh let's say for example, it's not Stephen King, but Poltergeist. Yeah, that's yeah. Um and, and the remake was terrible. <laughs> it was absolutely awful, and so that was like super disappointing, but it is kind of cool that now I'd say um I mean, you're in the movie buff, so you probably would be able to confirm, but, like, especially in the last 10 years, I've noticed people are remaking a lot of things. Yeah. There's not as much uh, original stories that are amazing. Uh, And, again, people say that all the time, but I feel like one defense of that is that, yes, there are more remakes now than there ever have been, more sequels than there ever have been. There's also more movies than there ever has been. I mean, if you go back to the 1980s, you would have one movie opening every week, period. Maybe you get two movies opening in a weekend, uh, but nowadays you have like three, four, five movies opening per week. So if we have three, four, five more sequels or remakes per year than we used to, that's the reason why. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. It does. I'm smart. That's the high IQ. Mm. Um, <laughs> let's wrap this up with the proper review here. Uh, so buy it, bin it, rent it. I guess that's kind of the wrong way around. Buy it, rent it, bin it. Uh, Jamie, what say you? Buy it. Buy it. Okay. Any particular reason why? Because it's freaking awesome. Here's the funny thing. I mean, I'm going to and, say... And, and who wouldn't want to own this collection? Like, well, let's let's just be real. That's the thing. I, I will buy this movie, and I'm not that big of a horror fan or a Stephen King fan. Um, I would probably lean just oh, as... Oh, it would probably look so great in our 3D TV. Well, except they didn't make this movie in 3D, I don't think. Oh. Or maybe we just didn't see it in 3D. I don't know. Maybe I should look that up. Um... Uh, uh, Interesting point. Maybe we should find out if this was 3D. Uh, in other words, if you want to see this in 3D, by all means, go ahead and then tell us if it's any good because we didn't see it in 3D. Uh, but yeah, I will buy this movie probably. Um, 
I'm not going to buy it like right away. I'll probably wait until it's discounted. I'm also not so crazy about this because as I said, it's a Citizen Kane of horror movies, but it's still a horror movie. There are very few horror movies where I'm like, I really want to watch this again, but I would be interested in watching this movie again. So I would say buy it for this one, not as uh, enthusiastically as you would say, but uh, I'm going to buy it. Yep. Buy it, buy it, buy it. And that is it. That's it. And Casper didn't cry once. No, he went right to bed like a good boy. I hope there's no clowns in his room. Yeah, he'll float too. <laughs> no, stop. I hate that. Stop. Um, that's all we have. There's not really a lot of new movies coming out, so these reviews may be a little bit slower. Ben and I might get around to the Emoji movie, but we're pretty busy right now. we got the start of Survivor coming in like a week or two. We just wrapped up The Amazing Race Canada. Ben's about to wrap up uh, Survivor Australia. Uh, as far as movies go, we have to put the recommendation out there. We started our anniversary month, so we just did the 20th anniversary of Titanic, which was so long, we had to split it into two parts. And as I said, as Ben tweeted, that you know, it was five hours and 20 minutes of a podcast. It is in two different downloadable parts here. But basically, in the time it took for the Titanic to sink two hours and 40 minutes, we basically could have killed... 1500 people two times over and listen to this podcast still it's worth listening to i don't like titanic i'm giving away my review right away uh but you get five hours and 20 minutes of two guys arguing about titanic and which things work and which things don't work uh coming after that we're going to have white man can't jump which again will be a hilarious episode because that's my one of my all-time favorite movies and uh getting to sit down for that on three hours was amazing Following that, there's, of course, going to be uh, Anniversary Month wrapping up with 30th Anniversary of Dirty Dancing, which Jamie will divorce me when she hears the episode of. Oh, man, I love that movie. Come on. I know. You went over why last night, and I still disagree with you. And then Face Off. but You, you uh, just don't get it because you're a guy. I don't know. Any other upcoming reviews for people who like listening to Jamie on these podcasts? Um You know, to find out about all the... Oh, who wouldn't? You know, Jamie, a.k.a. Awesome Wife Slash Mom. <laughs> slash podcast person you, you, that is the name of jamie's upcoming podcast slash alarm customer service agent <laughs> if you need help with your alarm just call me this no i'm just joking jamie's just reading her resume right now on air <laughs> if you can offer me a really high paying job where i can work from home call me highlights of qualifications <laughs> <laughs> you need a mystery shopper off you mystery shopper <laughs> um but we have probably the next one that we'll be involved in because I'm going to see it and I'll probably drag you and you won't complain is American Made with Tom Cruise, which will be coming out in a few weeks. Yeah, he's hot. I'll see it. And then Blade Runner following that, 2049. Uh, yeah, Harrison Ford's hot. I'll see that too. <laughs> see, no mention of Ryan Gosling. Jamie's one oh, of the few women so who don't. Oh, he's so gross. Like, yeah, you don't like Ryan Gosling. I don't get all Thank these you. memes on the internet where it's like, hey girl, hey girl, I'm freaking Rosin got Ryan Gosling, I look like an idiot. Hey girl, hey girl. <laughs> <laughs> we have to get you on just to do that. Here's going to be an interesting challenge because I don't think we'll have time. Maybe we will do it. We'll do like a brief Blade Runner 1 before we do a Blade Runner 2 review. But it would be interesting to have you go into Blade Runner 2049 having never seen Blade Runner 1. I've actually never seen it. And if I have seen it, it's just my goldfish memory that doesn't remember a thing. Yeah. We'll, we'll definitely be doing gold, uh, not gold finger. <laughs> gold listen finger. Listen to Double S. We have found a way. If, I want somebody to go back and listen to all of our podcasts, which Ben probably has already done, and pinpoint how many episodes we mentioned Double Oz 7 in, which is available via iTunes. Um, People listen to Double Oz 7. Holy uh, advertisement, Batman. It works. We had like 10,000 downloads for our Roger Moore tribute episode. 
And we have no idea how so many people started listening to 007 all the time. We should start advertising this show on 007. That's how big 007 is. Yeah. You yeah. guys should start doing episodes of um, The Bachelor in Paradise or whatever. You should start doing commentaries. On that note, we may have a series of random episodes that Rossi, for fans of Rossi, uh, Rossi and I have a couple of random things. We're kind of challenging. I, I, I love him. Yeah, Jamie loves Rossi. That's mostly because Rossi says he loves Jamie. Um, but Rossi and I kind of have this thing where we're just back and forth challenging each other. It's like, okay, if you watch this, I'll watch this. So there will be a series of episodes we'll have with Rossi uh, during October where we may or may not be covering movies and or TV shows. But at the same time, if you're interested in hearing us review any movie, let us know what you want us to review. Uh, if you want us to recap a movie, let us know. We'll try to fit it into the schedule. Schedule's pretty bu- busy for movies right now, but if we have extra time, we'll do a bonus show. Uh, and if you want just a random episode recap, which we've done those occasionally, throw those out there. And uh, uh, if you want Jamie on an episode, just let us know, and we'll force her to watch something terrible. Oh, jeez. Anyways, thank you for joining us, Jamie. Uh, yeah, thank you for not floating away in the middle of this episode. Stop. And- <laughs> regaling us with all of your fears of women with lots of makeup and horns on people's heads you'll, you'll float away like with on a divorce paper, <laughs> paper boat if you don't stop and my name is colin and that bit will not be edited high IQs versus low IQs. oh stop it i don't have a low iq Anyway. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.